when you do these retreats, it may be formatted that you're doing the retreat. Yeah. That you're the one, that, and this is a mental idea that you, that you're the one that's doing it, in a way that's always already framed it, in a certain way that it can't break out of that limitation. So now maybe you do a retreat, maybe you do a few retreats. It's very easy to slip into the identification that you're a retreatant, you know, or you're a meditator. So in a sense, there's all these uniforms we wear here, let's say doing meditation, surfing, this and that. But none of them become your skin. None of them are your skin. Yeah. What happens with the self-centeredness, its skin is a uniform. It's based on what it believes it's doing, yeah, or not doing. You know what I mean? So its whole premise here, when it wants to get out of what it's 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 producing its own dilemma in a way. And the, the situation is that self can't get out of self. So when self wants to get out of the influence of self, it usually follows a format of doing and habit. Yeah? So there's the self. It realizes something's off. And now it's going to do and have itself into another condition. Yeah? It's going to leave this condition by a format called doing. So I'm going to do some stuff. And then I'm going to have some realizations, hopefully. And then it will produce another a state of being. But it can't produce a state of being. State of beings aren't produced. They're complete in and of themselves. It can produce a mental state. Yeah? And this mental state may be an improvement on the previous mental state, but it's still defined by the mental stateness. Yeah? So there's a very old Zen treatise, one of my favorite, you know, if you've been at Green Gulch. They probably didn't read this. But uh, it's called Faith Mind. Yeah? And it, its lineage is a, it was purportedly put out there by I think the third uh, yeah, the third patriarch of Zen yeah when Zen was in China in a sense there's different Zen the Zen that a lot of people are practicing now is more a Japanese style more like a samurai style so back then they weren't sitting in rooms looking at a wall like a foot away from themselves they were sitting in like that's why all the temples in Asia have open things that you open up so you could gaze out. And you could see the play of the day. So you'd be sitting there in the morning, and you see the light hit things differently. Then the afternoon light, and different birds would be arriving in the afternoon than in the morning. And you would see what's going on, yeah? Not staring at a wall like a half a foot from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or they'd be sitting in the mouth of a cave, looking out across the canyon to the other side. And they'd watch the play of light and the sounds and everything. And in that way, their mind would uh, be invited to entertain other possibilities. Yeah. So, in the old Chinese Zen, which is called Chan, this is, this is one of my favorite things. So it says here, so the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Yeah. So the great way, you know, you can use the term Tao, like, which this is. Yeah. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. So in other words, Actually, the state of the great way to you is based on you. Yeah? So the great way inherently is not difficult. But if you have preferences, it can become very difficult. See, you and I play a great role here. Because it's sort of like the sunlight of the spirit. Let's say you can use the sun as, as an, an allegory of that. The sunlight of spirit's there, but if the shade's pulled down and you believe you're in this room, you can be separated from the sunlight of the spirit. Yeah? 
And then you'll need to do something or have someone do something of lifting the shade so that sunlight can come in. You see? Now what would happen if, if, if you looked at, am I actually this person in this room? You may find that this is just an appearance and you are actually on the sun and the light. You'll still see the shade go down, but you won't be at the effect of the shade because you're on the side, on the side of the light. Yeah? This is what it's like when the mind changes. You shift out of a position called self-centeredness, you get recalibrated, and now you're not taking yourself to be this action figure, and therefore the mind can take itself to be the light. Yeah? Now when it entertains being the light, the light in itself reinvigorates that entertaining. When you entertain being a self, the mind has to advertise it all day with that narration, constant thoughts about you, yes? Going off every day. It needs to constantly be reinforced because it isn't inherently so. But if you were the light, the, that light would reinvigorate you are the light. Every damn moment, you are the light, you are the light. Not saying it like a freaking mantra, but a sense that you are the light. Not by entertaining, I'm the light, I'm the light, I'm the light, but entertaining what you're not. Yeah? By looking at what you're not and seeing, hey, I may not be that, the influence of that moment is going to shift from that which you were engaged with into the seeing of it. And there you're on to something. Because the seeing is a quality of mind. Yeah? That awareness is a quality of mind. Now, the story of being a self says it's the one that's aware. But in fact, it's just a con- this is just a, a conduit or a conductor of awareness. It's not aware. But awareness facilitates through this to have an experience here, yeah? But it's not what, this is not aware. This eye isn't seeing. This eye facilitates seeing. If I was dead, and this nothing had happened to my face, someone came and took my eye out and put it in a live body, it would function, it would function as seeing. It would allow that faculty of vision to occur. But now it's not allowing that to occur because something's not there anymore. You want to call it the sense of being, or oneness, or awareness, or whatever you call the spirit, that spirit has seemingly, it's not accessing through that body anymore. So all the facilities, all the, the faculties that allow consciousness to have experiences here are now not seemingly working. Not that because they're broken, but consciousness isn't moving through them. Yeah? Yeah. So here, he says, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. So if, in a sense, you have preferences, which is just the dualistic nature of conditional mind, yes and no, like, dislike, aversion, love, you know, it's, you, could, you could define it as a dualistic movement of mind, yeah? So if you're identifying with that dualistic movement of mind, and that is through the identification as a self, you're going to have preferences, and you will not see the great way as easy. Yeah? Because you'll never even see the great way. The only thing you'll see is your great way. Yeah? It'll be a great way that you conceptualize and made into something. And that your great way may be very freaking difficult. Your great way may be based on someone else having to see them. Your great way may be I have to take pilgrimage to the Himalayas. Your great way is I've got to purify myself. You know, it may take lifetimes until I'm ready to receive this gift. Yeah? When you're the gift already. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear. And, under, and undisguised. So the quality of everything is it's clear and undisguised. But our role is to obscure it. 
if we're up the ass of self, if we're totally obsessed with this mental idea of being a long-lasting action figure who has a past and who has a future and is very concerned about itself all freaking day, yeah, that's strong enough to become like a five-cent shade that blocks off the sunlight of the spirit. It's already so, but it won't seem to be so to you. Its, in, it's influence will be severely limited by your ignorance around it. Yeah? And your ignorance isn't like an act of ignorance. It's a passive ignorance by an active, uh, active like identification as a self. Through that active identification as self, it also counteracts as a denial of what's so. Because it can't seem to be a self without denying what's so. They can't stay in the same space. And you can't get rid of the space, so the best you can do is forget it. Yeah? And how do you forget it? You're not thinking like, I'm forgetting God all day, I'm forgetting the space all day. You're remembering self. Through the remembrance of self, you forget the space. Yeah? So let's say you come to meetings like this, and you're still waiting to have an experience of your own absence, which is an impossibility. Yeah? You're not going to be there to experience your absence. <laughs> it can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> your presence is a real absence, but when you're obsessed with that presence of being you, then what so seems to be absent. And when it's absent, your mind can come up to incredible ideas about it. What it is, it's a man sitting on top of a throne in heaven, judging everything you've ever done, and you're going to have a big meeting with him, and it's probably not going to go well at the end of your life, and you're probably going to be, you know, <laughs> exiled into a place you'd rather not be, you know, stuff like that. Or it's a loving God that is really looking out for me, and I don't give a shit if it's doing anything for you, but me, it's my God, and it's, uh, it's getting me jobs and parking spaces and meetings and things like that, and it's really working for me. Like I, I like I hired a life coach, you know. It's working for me, you know. This is, without its seeming presence, all these insane ideas can come up. They have a, they have the petri dish, dish to grow, and the only way to dispute it is not to try to find another conceptual idea, but question the conceptual idea of you. Yeah, is it a solid, long-lasting, independent entity? Are you what is? Are you what seen as a Paul who has a story, or are you just the seeing? Yeah. Are you the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching, or are you what heard, what felt, what tasted, and what touched? The mind's going to keep running the story that you're the what, you're the who that's feeling, seeing, tasting, touching. This is about what seeing, feeling, tasting, touching. And what seeing, feeling, tasting, touching is not a seer, not a hearer, not a feeler, not a smeller. It's just feel. It's it's just feeling, seeing, hearing, tasting. Yes, it's a fucking movement. If the only way you can catch yourself, you cannot catch yourself as a picture and frame it. You catch yourselves as as a living movement, a movement of awareness, of consciousness. Yeah. So. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Make the smallest distinction, however, <laughs> and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. You and I play a great role here. We do. We can live, it has to, only in time, 
It can't last forever. But in time, we can live as if we are the real thing and what's real is totally unseen, uninfluential, un, un, un. Yeah. We can't do it forever, but in time, we can do it for 70, 80, 90 years. Yeah? The mind can. So make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set, are, are set infinitely apart. If you wish to see the truth, there you go. If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. So it isn't the truth you're missing, it's the opinions you're having that are influenced the event. Not the truth you're missing, it's the opinions you have about the truth and the non-truth and all that baloney. That's what's causing it not to seem to be so. It's not that it's causing itself not to be to seem so. Your whole mind is furiously busy obscuring it. Yeah? Because the only way it can be, if it can take precedence and it can be truly super relevant is for that not to be relevant and for that to seemingly be absent. That's the only way you can have a true strong belief in the sense of self as being you because you don't have a sense of what's actually so. Once you start sensing the presence, you'll really see that all you are is a mental vacuum. That's the only, that's the only place self appears. And the highest level it can reach here is appearance. It cannot be so. It can only seem to be so. Yeah? And if something's not so right now, can't be fake, touched, fake, tasted, whatever. It can't be intimated, it's presence. If it's not so right now, the only way it can seem to be so is to be remembered. Yeah? It's the only way. So look at your thought system. You'll get a really clear situation. You'll see it. The thought system, look at the value of it. What does it value more? The present moment or the past and the future? It's usually mostly about past and future. So that's where its value lies. Yes? Yes. What does it do? How does it picture you, the thought system? It pictures you as a body. Yeah? So if it thinks about you three years ago, it pictures you as a body there three years ago. You can't picture space three years ago because it wouldn't be different than the space that's right now. You know what I mean? And the space isn't going to get cancer three years from now. Yeah, the space is the space. Yeah? But the body can be thought about. Yeah? So that's your, fix, your life, that's your fixated point. And then your thoughts go there and circulate around it. Why? Because it's you. You don't usually think about someone else four years ago for too long. Not for 40 years. Not for 50 years. Not for 70 years. I don't care how much you love them. Over time, you're going to forget about them. But you're never forgetting about you. <laughs> so here's the body. Here's this idea of being you in the past. And the only way, the only way you can sort of vacuum the interest and attention that is, is just here right now, you know, you know, facilitating the hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, and touching, and participating in this event, the only way you could suck that out of this present moment is make it about something even greater than God, which is you. Yeah? <laughs> you're the biggest God of all, the me. So now you're thinking about you in the past. What happens? You're remembering you now. You have a sense of being that you you're thinking about in the past. A new futuristic you, maybe improved, maybe regressed. Who knows? But it's still going to be the basic idea because you've been remembering yourself. Yeah? And when you're thinking about what, where you're going to be in the future, you're picturing yourself as a body. And you're worried about what's going to happen to you as that body. So that's another form of remembering. 
Even though it's thinking about the future, you're remembering the self. Yeah? So you remember self. So this is his logic. It's really simple. I was here, was there, I will be here. No, I, I was there, I will be there, I'm here now. Yeah? I was, I will be, therefore I am. That's it. That's his fucking crazy logic. What happens if that system of remembrance gets broken? When you do something you really love to do, let's say, yeah? Let's say it's surfing and you're in the water. You're not really thinking much then. And that definitely not about you because you may be gulping for air, you may be getting, you may be in the impact zone, big 10 foot waves are crashing on you. You're not thinking, oh, how great do I look out here? You're just trying to survive, yeah? And in that, so in that moment, the remembering of self is, it's not, it's, it's not a, Expedient, yeah? So your attention and interest is right in the moment. And then you usually feel great when that's happening, yeah? But then what happens is, now you're coming out of water and you say, did anyone see me catch that wave? Now the selfing has started arising. <coughs> to claim what the event, and make it something like, by remembering the event, when it wasn't obviously there, it claims to be the one that was there. Yeah? It'd rather have a remembered session than a real session. Because it gets more out of it, it can it can cultivate a harvest more of you out of a memory than it can a real event. Yeah. What would happen if that line that has your interest and attention enslaved to going back and forward to remember you now? Yeah. What would happen if it was somewhat cut? Cut. Yeah. How I found it to be cut was if I'm not that which my mind is, think, is thinking about, yeah? If I'm not that, I lost interest in it. Yeah? I, my attention and interest stopped going there, and it was because this is a pretty, pretty big attractiveness or anchor for being here now because it has a quality that what's not happening doesn't have, and that is it's happening, yeah? This is actually happening. You're smelling right now, hearing, feeling, tasting, yes? What's not happening? Anything can happen in there. Yeah? But it doesn't have the one quality that is the greatest immunity to it, which is what's happening. Yeah? So after, if, if you, if, if the line of, uh, that sucks your interest and attention backward and forward all day to remember that self now is cut by lack of interest, and I found the lack of interest occurred when I took it not to be me. When I saw this thought system as a foreign installment. As soon as I saw it as something other than me, the next thing I could entertain was I could be free of it. Before that, I was trying to be free as it, yeah? I was trying to therapize it, make it better, make it more sociable. Maybe I'll have a three-month relationship or not flip out at the next picnic I go to. I had a very low levels of success I was hoping for. <laughs> because I was enslaved to the system that was causing the disease because I was identified as the system. So when self tried to get out of the system of self, it was limited by this incredible axiom called self can't get out of self. Yeah? So if there's a mental process that's producing this remembrance of you, then that remembrance of you cannot transcend the process that's making it. Because it doesn't exist anywhere. It doesn't even exist there. It just appears to exist in that system. If it tries to leave... It can't leave. It just, it's not, there's no self. So the whole point is, while you're trying to get out of self, it's another form of being in self. 
And everything you come in contact with, meditations, this and that, that and this, scriptures, can be easily taken advantage by the mental condition to reinforce the identification of self. It has no, it has no respect for robes or 2,000-year-old temples or anything. It will pull its shenanigans anywhere, at any time, if it's given the opportunity. You'll just wear another uniform. Instead of tacks and leather jackets, you'll be wearing robes and you'll have a loving gaze instead of a wolf gaze. You're like, oh, yes. It's just another fucking uniform. And you're going to be take that's either you're going to have to take it off or it'll be ripped off. Because there's love here. Yeah? There's always the solution will be whispering or sometimes bitch slapping you to wake up. Yeah? So here... If I'm not that, which is being thought about, my interest and attention doesn't go there that much. Some old anchors may still draw its attention, like this. they have big gravitational pulls, like, I'm a loser, or, you know, I'll never be loved, or something. That can hook it. But after a while, even those will be dismissed. And your attention and interest that was fueling the obsession with self, right, which was illuminating the obsession with self, while was giving it all of its fucking qualities of taste and really it seems so freaking real will now be enriching your life because it'll be freed from the slavery to this bondage of self and it's not bondage to self bondage to self would be like self is a chair that I'm bonded to it's bondage of self because there is no self to be bonded to there's the bondage of which is a verb it's a mental activity that's bonding you bonding you what you really are, to the idea of being a self. That's why there's 70,000 freaking thoughts a day. That's why it's yakking constantly. And that's why if someone else comes over your house and starts talking about their troubles with what's not happening, you're bored in two minutes. But you've been incredibly entranced by 40 years of it happening to you. It's the you is the glue. That's where the cherishing is. The bondage isn't by the thought system, it's by the mind that's addicted to what the thought system's implying. Yeah, me, a special, fucking, very unique person. You get to be special, all right? You get to be right, and you also get to be alone. (laughs) And it's the aloneness of oneness. The fucking special oneness of a self. That's the true solitary confinement. To be confined from looking out from that one point of view the rest of your life. A very limited frame of how to see life. It's actually turned into a form of looking called self-centeredness. And for me, that's the original mental addiction. And then all other addictions are there to try to get relief from that one, to tell you the truth. And they can be spiritual addictions. They can be other addictions. What would happen if it wasn't you? You'd be let off the hook, maybe, finally. The one big hook. Right here. Right in the mandula of Umgata. Stuck right in there. Just tickling tickling the lizard mind all day. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you, I swear, the only way you can know the solution truly is by the relief. There's no way. And then the only way you can know the problem is from the relief. There's one knowledge called being under the problem. That's one form of knowledge, but it doesn't usually usually lead you to get out from under it. But when you get relief from the problem, you'll know the problem. And I'm telling you, the problem can only reach a level of appearance. 
It can never be so. It can only seem to be so to you. And that's why you have this huge role to play, like he's talking about here. Everything, the great way is not difficult unless you have preferences. This is your role, your mental role. And I'm telling you, all these things are just thriving in the petri dish of self-centeredness. All of these things he talks about, opinions, preferences, this and that, they're all cooked up in the petri dish of self-centeredness. So, okay. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. When the deep meaning of things is not understood, the mind's essential peace is disturbed to no avail. The mind's essential peace. Yeah? Like I was at a meeting of recovery yesterday, and people were talking about, do you have joy in your life? And so people were talking about what sort of instigates them having a joyful experience, seeing their kid and this and that. But the fact is, if you were using and drinking, that joyful experience wouldn't have been initiated. Yeah? If you were up the ass of self sufficiently, that joyful experience wouldn't initiate joy. The joy comes from you. It's inherently there. We're just not allowing it to be accessed by our experiences, because our experience has been claimed by me. Yeah? If you would let the experiences just be, a lot of times they would initiate a reaction of joy or a response of joy. You'd have the wonder and awe come back in your life when you were a kid. You'd have it come back, not unbidden, unbidden. Not that you're searching to get some wonder and awe. It would just start downloading. I went to my girlfriend's daughter's fifth grade uh, graduation in, uh, in San Francisco. It was one of the most joyous events I've ever been to. I was recapitulating my whole childhood just sitting there, watching all these kids with these weird outfits, you know, feeling very uncomfortable, like little suits, like little mannequin suits, and they're sitting there. And it was just like, just I was laughing uncontrollably most of the whole event. Clapping, every kid clapping. It was just fantastic. I had no, expect, I had no freaking ideas. Better than any 10-day retreat. <laughs> I found more joy there than I did in any 10-day retreats. I was sitting there just laughing and laughing. Just felt so much love, and I started crying because I could see them, you know? I could see it. I could see the minds. So, the way is perfect, like vast space, where nothing is lacking and nothing is in excess. If you want a nice example, when you have a clear day, look at the sky, you know? Just gaze up at the sky. Just check it out, because it will intimate space to you. You'll get a feeling, a little sense of it, you know? And if you see the sky, and then you, let's say, clouds appear in it, you'll see the clouds are distinctly just appearances. They're not the sky. A lot of times when people describe the sky, they describe the clouds. They're not the sky, really. They're not the space, but they're appearing in the space. Yet, in a way, they have, they have no ability to affect the space they're appearing in. Yeah. Just like if there was explosions in the sky, it wouldn't rip the sky open. And if a plane was flying, they very rarely, I don't think they ever have called up the tower and said, we ran into a big chunk of sky up here. Yeah? Yeah? And bird shit, it doesn't land on the sky, it usually lands on our cars. Yeah? So the shit usually goes to, to a thing. Yeah? Yet, everything can happen in that sky. Yet the sky, its own nature, is undisturbed. Guess what? That's the quality of the mind. That's, that's exhibiting and expressing as you right now. That's a, one of its qualities. 
Could you imagine that that would be lending its influence on your daily experience here? You travel lighter. You know, not thinking, and not thinking that you're the only real thing, and everything else that's appearing in your day and sky is is temporary and illusory. You are illusory. That's the greatest news of all, because this is the this is the where the preferences arise from and the differences. This is what creates the separation of heaven and earth. You can't create it; it makes it seem to be so. By questioning this and seeing that maybe I'm not that, then all these possibilities start downloading for you. Yeah? But never by looking for those possibilities. Just going there, it's sort of like going in the back door. Instead of trying to find the unity, see what, what, ex, what is expressing the duality. And see that you're the pivotal point of that expression. And therefore, you are the pivotal point of the oneness. Yeah? By seeing there's not two, you don't need to say there's one. By seeing there's not two, the oneness will be obvious. Yeah? You don't immediately go oneness, you just go not two. This is what it says here, it's beautiful. So yeah, the way is perfect, like vast space where nothing is lacking and nothing is in excess. Indeed, it is due to our own choosing to accept or reject. Yeah? This is nice. Eh? Indeed, it is due to our, our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things. Again, it falls on you. It's not saying, well, we got to hope there's a true nature of things, and I hope the true nature of things is the true nature of things when I go on that retreat this weekend. No, the true nature of things is a given. But it's, it's your activity here that can obscure that. Yeah? And he's trying to describe the activity of a conditional mind. Yeah? So it says, live neither, live neither in the entanglements of outer things, nor in inner feelings of emptiness. Be serene in the oneness of things, and such erroneous views will disappear by themselves. In recovery, we say, there'll be a point where you'll be placed in a position of neutrality, the problem will not exist to you, and it, will, and it, it happen with no thought or effort on your part. It's a very similar statement than, as that. It says, leave, leave, live neither in the entanglements of outer things, nor in inner feelings of emptiness. Be serene in the oneness of things. So entertain the possibility, I'm not that, and now be the entertaining of what you are, truly. In the oneness of things, and such erroneous views will disappear by themselves. Because they only appear coming out of the petri dish of self-centeredness. That's where, they, that's where their appearance occurs. Yeah, And once the petri dish is, is removed, they cannot sustain their appearance. They're using your God-like juice in a way, your juice to sustain their appearance by your entertaining it being so. If you take away the entertaining of it being so from it, it seems not to be so very, very quickly. <laughs> it happened when I came into recovery. I saw that my strategy my whole life is things happened to me emotionally when I was young. People I really cared about died when I was nine. My grandmother who lived with us and my father. So, it seemed like those things were so freaking real, and I was, it's like I had a lot of love, and suddenly the objects the love was extending to weren't there, and I was like, wow, I felt really fucking uncomfortable, little kid. So, suck it all in, and then sign up to my life coach, you know, <laughs> which was my head, <laughs> and, and I started to shut down, big time. Yeah? And, uh, <laughs> 
remember I was I, they'd take me out of school for a while because the two deaths were close time and so I had a nun called Sister Marie Neal who was my, my teacher and she was still my teacher when I came back to school and she used to have a desk there and I was about here, about another desk another chair behind her and I remembered seeing her before all this happened you know, and I was still in the same position as seeing her but now she seemed to be miles away, I was so up the ass of self, I had gone up into the mental condition you know, shut down out of fear of attack basically you know and then, but the thing is, see, when the mind shuts down, let's say there's one thing, one window that's something that's not likable is coming through. When it shuts down, it shuts all the windows down. And it can shut down much easier, easier than open back up. Yeah? And that's what happens. Its solution is a massive over, overrun. <laughs> you know what I mean? A massive. I don't know where I was going with that, but it doesn't matter. When you try to stop activity, here you go, this is a good one. When you try to stop activity to achieve passivity, your very effort fills you with activity. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that was one of my formulas. <laughs> and he just blew it out of the water. Oh, fuck. All those weeks. <laughs> what am I going to do now? Let me see. Let me regroup and figure out another way. How can I be a non self? How can I become a non-self? As a self. <laughs> I still want to be there, so how can I pull this off? He just pulled a big rug out from underneath me. So if I go and take a two-year class about studying obsession with self, that could be construed as obsession with self. <laughs> so there's no way to get out of the tight Chinese thumb torture. <laughs> Every time you move it, it gets tighter. Yeah, This is what I love. He's just... He's just twisting the screws better, you know? Wow. When you try to stop activity to achieve passivity, your very efforts fill you with activity. As long as you remain in one stream, extreme or the other, you will never know oneness. <clears throat> Those who do not live in the single way fail in both activity and passivity, assertion and denial. So you can't win. <laughs> you can't assert something, you can't deny it. Yeah? You can't use passivity to get there. You can't use activity to get there. Basically, you're, you're thinking you're in the boat and you're just taking all your oars away. <laughs> so, what you got to do is just float with the current. Voila! Then it starts dawning on you. <laughs> Maybe the wrong way is the right way. Maybe the worst thing that ever happened to me actually is the best thing that ever happened to me. Maybe this whole thing I thought was this way is upside down completely. Yeah. <laughs> Those who do not live all right, to deny the reality of things is to miss their reality. To deny the reality of things is to miss their reality. To assert the emptiness of things is to miss their reality. The more you talk and think about it, the further astray you wander from the truth. Stop talking and thinking, and there is nothing you will not be able to know. To return to the root is to find the meaning. But to pursue appearances is to miss the source. At the moment, so maybe, you know, seeing that we've worn all these different uniforms, father, mother, you know, child, uh, grandfather, grandmother, business person, you know, basketball player, musician, this and that, realizing they're all uniforms, yeah? Well, maybe just entertain with one that you're calling your skin may also be a uniform, Yeah? The you that you're calling you may just be another uniform here. 
And maybe, just maybe, it's easy and possible to take it off. If you were thinking a pair of glasses were your eyes, would you ever entertain the possibility of taking those glasses off? No, it would never come. No matter how bad it was, no matter how bad it got, you would never entertain that simple idea of taking them off because you've taken them to be your eyes. Yeah, How are you going to take your eyes off? But as soon as you see it as a foreign installment, the mind can entertain, hey, I can be free of it. It's that simple, seriously. And once you send the mind, the mind's ability to entertain is monumental. Look what it's done in your life. Look, I remember when I was 11 years old, I was walking through a hallway at school, and a pretty girl said hello to me, and I went home and wondered what she meant by it for five hours. I entertained the meaning of that freaking (laughs) little event ad nauseum, because it meant a whole lot to me. Does she like me? Does she like me? It was just unbelievable <laughs> obsession with self that I couldn't escape. I couldn't see as it pertained other than pertain, how it pertained to me. I had no other option. The only view I had was self-centeredness at the time, seemingly. Yeah. So the ability of the mind to entertain is definitely there. It's the important thing is maybe changing what it's entertaining. Yeah. Maybe changing what's truly significant in your life. And then watch, it, watch what happens when the mind starts entertaining these possibilities. Like I'm inherently okay. Yeah? That maybe, maybe the time factor isn't as important as I've been thinking it to be. Yeah? All this stuff, all these possibilities flood in. It's like a, a giant reservoir, a dam gets broken, and all these possibilities that were being held back by this obsession with this formatted mind, self-centeredness, now all these possibilities of inclusiveness, of I can do this and also that. Yeah? All this starts to occur. Changes the whole experience here. And it's not like it's going to change the geography of your life. It's going to change how you travel over it. Yeah? Instead of having these peak experiences and then having the opposite occur a week later, so you're really high and then you get out and then you're really bummed out, this is about every moment you'll be traveling lighter. Every freaking moment, the possibility of heaviness will be limited, and now the possibility of lightness will be emphasized. Yeah? And after a period of long period of time, it will outmatch no matter how much quantities of peaks experiences or, or epiphanies you thought you've had, this is so much more valuable. Because you'll be traveling lighter on every fucking Saturday, Mondays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 8 in the morning, 9 at night. Yes? Traveling lighter. And I'll tell you, over time, it's proven to be the most valuable. Just to have the ability to enjoy peace of mind. Because a peace of mind is an essential quality of mind. But then again, we may or may not be able to enjoy it. But the enjoyment of it, the, the peace is available. But our inability or ability to enjoy it is based really on where the mind's resting. If it's resting on self-centeredness, which is a failed system, it's going to be too agitated to enjoy peace. Because if peace even shows up, it will frame it with, well, will it be here tomorrow? How's that? Peace. Yeah? Time will be in- injected into it. So you'll think, you won't even be able to enjoy it because you think it may not be here tomorrow. <laughs> as soon as that thought takes relevance, it just deflates that possibility. It doesn't deflate the peace. It just moves your mind and obscures its availability. Yeah, and it's this heist is going on all day. 
There is a solution. There is. From the solution's point of view, seriously, the problem is imaginary. It can only reach a level of appearance. Yeah? But let's say from the problem's point of view, the problem seems real, so then you seem to need a real solution. Yeah? So we're looking for a solution. If you entertain this solution, it's going to so sooner or later download to you that the problem is imaginary. And then there's not even a need for the solution then. That's a great solution. You throw the solution with it. You travel lighter. Even, an, even a solution is too much weight to travel with. It pairs you down so economically, you don't even have room in your pocket to carry a solution. The solution only seems relevant as long as the problem seems relevant. When it, when it gets strong, it totally, it just downloads that the problem's unreal, therefore there's no need for a solution. So you can't lose anything, because you don't have anything. I was holding on to it for years and now he suddenly let go of it. No, that's all fucking bullshit. You can't even go there. Oh, I had it one time, but now I've lost it. No, you've never had it, therefore you can't lose it. You're either accessing it or you're not. And it's usually based on where the mind is. If it's in self-centeredness and identified as a self, that's a pretty good uh, chance that that's going to obscure what's so. And therefore, if it's obscured, you can come up with crazy ideas about it. You know? Usually, that they're based on space, so they're far away, and in frequency. And therefore, now I've got to go on a giant path to try to get to where I already am. And if, if the path is worth any money, any salt, it's going to lead you to a statement in The Course in Miracles, I need do nothing. So if, so if all the somethings we've acquired are going to lead to the realization that I need do nothing, let's start with nothing. Save yourself some freaking time. <laughs> then if you go on a retreat, you'll enjoy it. You won't be shopping there. It won't be like a commerce, you know? It won't be spiritual consumption. You'll just be there because you're there. That's all you is. You just wake up to where you are and then you're immediately accountable for it. There's no big story why you're there or why you shouldn't be there. You're just there. And if it's, if it's not meant for you to be there, then you'll be moved to leave. There's no story backing it up. It's just immediate. It's like you see blue is blue and red is red and then you respond accordingly. Yeah. Like someone I was at this talk and they were... And they, start, they talk about, uh, are you afraid of sharks? Yeah, I said, not yeah. now. <laughs> Because you know, it's obvious I'm not in the water. So it was a simple solution. It wasn't like I wasn't trying to be funny. I said, not now. I said, well, would you be? Maybe. If I was in the water, maybe I would be. But I'm not now. That's the whole point. So, like these hypothetical questions. What the fucking point of it? Well, if you, had a, if you were a woman and had a kid, do you think you'd be able to entertain this? I don't know. I'm not a, ki- I'm not a woman who has a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> would it be would it be substantially established in fantasies? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just want it to be established now, and that I've come to have extreme confidence in because it is in a future hypothetical. Who knows what I fucking do? Yeah. <laughs> and then other people are like I love to say this. They say, Paul, you're growing your hair. I'm not growing my hair. I'm just not cutting it. It's not like I'm taking time off every week to grow my hair. 
you know, all right, Sam wrote, you know, two to five today, because I, I missed it last week, so I'm going to, no, but that's how, that's how the language keeps Im- implying, inferring that you're the doer, in the, some of the most absurd statements, and we say this all day, and we got to a point where it seems funny, I'm not the digester, ha, 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 I'm going to have to go home and digest that burrito I had on Thursday, I forgot to do it, <laughs> you know, yeah, of course that seems absurd, but you're taking yourself to be a the thinker, of a much more subtle process of the brain called thought system. You're taking yourself to be the thinker of that. You're like the doer of your thoughts. Once you become, once you're in the position of being the doer of your thoughts, then it's your job to have opinions about those thoughts and preferences. Now you have good and bad thoughts, just like he's talking about here. And then guilt and shame follows, based on what you've omitted and committed. And then pride arises, based on what you did. Yeah? And it's like this... It's like a, it's like a, a stale piece of bread let out, and then the fungus starts growing on it. So all these manifestations of conditional minds start growing on this little dead old idea, and then you're stuck with this fucking thing. It gets bigger and bigger, and you can't even see. Was that bread at one time? You know what I mean? And then also, let's say you see them as barnacles and you're trying to pick out some off that are bothering you and then you want to polish some. But the only way the barnacles can have that rock-solid foundation is you as the rock. That's the identification of self. That's when a movement has stopped and become a noun. And then all this shit starts gravitating around it. Yeah? Just like if you put... In running water, you put a rock in, it changes the current of the water. Now some of the water starts going around the rock. And let's say the water was just carrying a leaf down the river. Now the leaf gets stuck on the rock. And all this stuff starts coagulating it, and part of the water gets stagnated. Yeah? That's what's happening here. Everything is verbing. Everything is happening. Life is happening, but our mental condition says life's happening to me. I'm the noun. I'm like the flagpole in the river. This is where it is. So now all this water has now been given direction and it's fucking with me. It's just going where it's going. It's not fucking with you. If the you was taken out, you would just see it, life is happening. Yeah? It doesn't have an intention to start going after you. You pull it in. Your mind pulls it in. And then you want to get relief from that, but you don't want the rocket, you still want the rock to be there. Yeah? You want relief from self, but you don't want to be relieved of self. Yeah. You want a better self, a more, uh, an improved self. If you read ancient Buddhism, the gods, the deities, are defined, they're still identified as self, and they will, there'll be a time in this manifestation that there'll be an un-god. It will run out. Yeah? Other people can't be inconsiderate? Of course they can be inconsiderate. It isn't acceptance of... Sometimes acceptance is punching someone in the face. You know what I mean? I'm I'm accepting you're an asshole. Very quickly. And I disengage. It's not like, oh, be an asshole on me. Yeah. This is like sometimes the sword's out and you're cutting the heads off and sometimes you're in another state. It's very, very flexible. It's very fluid. There's no rope way to be. Yeah? 
But it's beautiful to find out. Most of us are still suckling on the teeth of that old system of, I'm going to know. This is about like the highest form of mind in Zen. One of the highest forms of mind in Zen is, I don't know. In that I don't know, you're relegated to finding out. And finding out is a damn good way of knowledge. Yeah? When you find something out, like for me, I have found out that this was the last answer when I heard this. Because after 14 or 15 years, it has just keeps demonstrating that it's the last answer. I found out about it. I did not know it was the last answer when I heard it, but I have found out it's the last answer by entertaining it. Yeah? And I'll tell you, I never found it the last answer until this last answer. I had a lot of answers, but none of them was the last answer. So this is a damn good answer. <laughs> it freed me from the need to be liberated, which is one of the greatest bondages of all. Fuck. <laughs> I did this one time. I had a, I went on a, a... This lady wanted me to go on a, a sweat in, up in Mount Shasta, you know, Native American Indian. And it was a big one. I had no idea, but this was a huge event in that realm of sweats, you know, that little subdivision of culture. Seriously, it's another, it's just like this, just like non-duality. So I went up to Shasta, it was going to be a three-day event, and they got this, they built this huge thing to go in, you know, where they have the pit and the rocks, and they, they put it on, the rocks are super hot, and they throw herbs with water on it, and it creates this unbelievable fucking sauna, like unbelievable <laughs> hot, you know? And that's supposed to purify you, and then you jump out of there, when they let, let you, and you jump into a stream, and then you go back in again. So I went there, so we're in this sweat thing, and uh, I'd never been in one, and the light was still on, the flat was open, and everyone was in there, everyone was excited, and I was holding on like a subway, they had the rafters, and then the flat went down, it's totally black, you can't see anything, and then this wave of heat starts hitting me, it was unbelievable. Burnt my nostrils, my underarms, my ears. <laughs> it was like, and I tried to sit down, but there was no room. And heat rises. It's always fucking in hell. Stunning. I just prayed. Open that flap. Because of course, spiritual pride was there. I wasn't going to make a big scene. And, oh, no, I'm going to fucking die before that happens. <laughs> and then suddenly the flap opened and I ran out and I jumped in. And I went back in. <laughs> And I swear, I was like this at the end. I could feel like a wave. And I was praying to the gods, stop that Indian from throwing any more water up the rock. It was just fucking, it was hell. You know, but I did it. Because, you know, I believed in the whole format. I've got to do and have, and then I'll get purified, and something will happen that will make my life better. Fuck, what a, what a fucking jobs, you know, <laughs> So then years later, I entertained this idea, and my, one of my sponsors and recovery, sponsees wanted to do a, go to a, a little sweat. And it was all these American guys, but they got this Indian from Oklahoma, and we went to Petaluma, and they built a little, you know, yurt thing, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted me to join them. It's like nine of them with this Indian from Oklahoma. So I go in there, and I saw, and as soon as I felt that it was hot, I got up and walked out. You know I mean? And I'm outside, and all the food's out there, and the drinks, and I can hear them moaning, and yelling, and praying, and I was just kicking back. What happened? What, would, what kept me there for three days, years ago, and then there, as soon as I felt hot, I got up and left. My mind had changed. It wasn't giving an extreme amount of value to intense purification. I don't think there's any need to be purified. What's going to be purified to begin with? 
So with that understanding, I got to enjoy all the food, a beautiful starlit <laughs> night, drinking the calistogas. It was great. I'm just feeling sorry for him. <laughs> That's sort of what it's like. The mind changes, and you're, you'll see if some of your drives will just be undriven anymore. Yeah. Because we're, li- we're believing, and we're, we're like, we're like, we're conveying so many mental winds blowing through us. And some of them are really strong, and all the while they're blowing through us, our mind will be busily identifying as the one who's doing it all. Just like this example, I'll use another example. You ever hear of Candida? Candida is like a fungus. It's very, very old. It's called the king, basically. It's probably much older than humans. And it's in our body, and it's supposed to be a certain amount. But this, this is what's happened is it was usually in the intestinal tract, and it can cause a lot of trouble for people, like bloated, fatigue, and this and that. And it's broken out of the intestinal tract. It, it has gone through the intestinal wall and went into the blood system, and now they're believing it causes sinus infections, and it's in moist areas of the body. Yeah? And it's a living thing, and it needs food. And its food is sugar, basically. So here's this candida, and it needs to get something sugary, like white flour stuff, bagels and stuff like that. But it can't go to the <coughs> store. Yeah. <laughs> but it wants that stuff. What it does is it jacks into the thought system, and now you become her lover of bagels. You love Wonder Bread. Yeah? You're basically shopping for the candida, all the while thinking it's you because of the identification of self. It's fucking unbelievable. So it's driving you to get what it needs because it can't get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it has one severe limitation. It's in the body. But it knows, it jacks into the system, and now you become a great lover of Wonder Bread and, you know, croissants and everything like this. And it's having a field day. Yeah? This is what alcoholism is like. Alcoholism, jacked into the thought system, it can't drink, it can't shoot drugs, it can't. But it wants fuel, and fuel is what it breaks down alcohol into, the body does, sort of like an acetone, and that's its fucking fuel. And that creates the the physical craving, it wants that fucking, that, that drug, you know. So, but it can't get, he can't go, it can't go out to the store and buy a bottle. So here, it's taking you over like an extremely harmful, nasty parasite, yet it can keep taking you over because it's convinced you that it's you. So when it's saying, let's go have a, let's go to 7-Eleven, buy a bottle of vodka, you're taking it to be you that wants to go to the 7-Eleven. And that's why you don't have any immunity to that advertising because you believe it's you that's saying that. And it's the you that gives it momentum. It's the you that causes the bondage, not the fucking thought. Because if you're free from it, you can have the thought, and you'll see it as a foreign installment, and you won't follow it for one second. You'll have total immunity to it. It's the you that obscures everything. Everything. How are you going to see? Let's say if there was a virus came on you, and usually what happens when you get sick physically... It, it sets off the immune system. The immune system sees it as a foreign entity, and then it creates more white blood cells, and it goes on the attack to minimize the effect of the disease or the virus, yes? But here's something. Let's say that virus had a very incredible strategy. Once it got in your body, it tells you it's you. It would totally compromise your immune system. You, there would be no... No, no uh, sirens would go off. 
No defense would be, would be uh, facilitated. You'd be totally lax and totally open to a takeover because it found the key, just like breaking into your computer. It found the password. Yeah? That's what alcoholism is doing. Alcoholism is expressing itself through us, and most of the people it's expressing itself through are claiming the expressions of alcoholism as theirs. That's called the identification as self. So when, they should, when they're talking about the expressions of alcoholism in life, they keep talking about their expressions. You don't see it? That's the initial bondage. Without that, it doesn't matter how many doors open and close. This door's locked. And you'll play the game of opening and closing, opening and closing, surrendering, taking it back, surrendering, taking it back. Because this door's locked. Yeah? This is safely in place, never being questioned. So every resentment is my resentment. All the fears are my fears. All the harms done to others are my harms done to others. Instead of seeing alcoholism influence me to a point where I had no power over what I was going to do if I drank. No one's letting themselves off the hook. They still have guilt and shame because of all that. Because the first lock is in place. I know, I've seen it because I got the relief from it. When that, was, when that lock opened, boom, 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 a vast amount of relief downloaded. All these, like, well-worn tributaries got dried up, yeah? The self-think didn't have the energy to push its way to the shore anymore. The juice was retracted from it by seeing it as a foreign installment, by seeing it as a foreign engagement, as a parasitical movement of mind. And yet, the first parasitical movement of mind, identification of self, we very rarely see. You're taking yourself to be a mental idea. And you're basing the whole story of your day, your thought system bases the whole story of your day on that premise. And it's a faulty premise. <laughs> you're not locatable. <laughs> you don't stop here. You think I'm, I'm this side of my cheekbone? And I stop here, and then watch this, who knows, and then Chris starts there? Do you think mind is, is contained by a, a skull? Well, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> you, can, you can just as validly point to you as this, as this, as this, as that. Yeah? It would be, they're, all they're all valid. But we want to locate ourselves in a certain place, in a certain location, so we can have certain conditions and certain circumstances and be affected by it all. It's all right, that's the dream. But hey, you can wake up. Maybe you're tired of it. Yeah. Maybe specialness ain't working for you anymore. Like, I'm older now. The formulas when I was enthused when I was 20, they're fucking bogus. None of them work. I'm on, like, Formula 89, you know? When I was on 12 and 15, it was like, I was still with that false hope. Yeah, it's going to work. Now I've totally been disillusioned sufficiently where I don't think the, the you know, Formula number 100 is going to work. <laughs> the formula is skewed. Yeah? It's not, it's systemic. The problem is systemic. It's not the problem is with you. The problem is with a you. It's not you, it's a you. Something that's been produced and is re being reinforced by the thought system and your interpretation of this place all freaking day. There's a solution. Question it. Right there, right there where the seen ignorance is, is the intelligence. Right there.
You have the right... See, if you weren't that, this would be a disservice to share it with you now. I have total faith in mind that you are that. Yeah? Right now. And therefore, the moment can start and begin right now. Entertain some damn new possibilities and see what happens. If they bring you some lightness, continue entertaining. Why not? Yeah? Watch the mind make it into something and see you're not that that's making it into something. Maybe that will sufficiently be able to leave it alone so then you keep getting nothing. And nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. Nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. It's truly everything. I'm not going to get to finish this, this thing, but what the hell does it matter? It's not meant to be finished, yeah? All this is all this stuff does is initiate your own mind, yeah? <coughs> All it does is initiate your own mind. Every living book is a living book because it's a living mind reading it. That's it. These scriptures that have lasted for 3,000 years, they, they came from a living mind, and a living mind that seems to be right now can initiate that, that livingness of it. That's what keeps them so valid to this day. Yeah? You and I, we give everything the meaning it has. Yeah? You're going to give this day the meaning it has. The day is not going to give you the meaning it has because it doesn't have a meaning. You're giving it the meaning it has. Yeah? Find your role in life. And I'll tell you, this role has nothing to do with being a fucking victim. And it's not passivity. It's definitely not passive. It's not a passive entertaining. No way. It's a living, thriving possibility. Yeah? And it can initiate an expression of real freedom here. And you'll be able to be that expression. You'll be able to be at that point where it's blooming and enjoying it, you know? And then honor that from which it comes. Honor that. You know? Have gratitude for that. A lot of people, you know, they have a miracle at 9 in the morning, they forgot it by 11. But they have a resentment that they're still entertaining that happened 30 years ago. You've got to see the bias of mind. You have to see it. You have to see it. If you, if you keep using that steward system to find what you're looking for, it's never going to be what you're looking for. What wolf do you feed? Hmm? What wolf do you feed in hmm? your mind? What? What wolf do you feed in your mind? The wolf of the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, this thing feeds itself. That's the beautiful thing. Once you entertain, it's like uh, almost like electromagnetism, which... The electricity produces the magnetism, and the magnetism produces the electricity. So the light produces the entertaining, the entertaining produces the light. Yeah. If the light's always on, then the ability to entertain is always there. And the mind gets engaged, and it rests there. While it's actively doing what it's doing all day, but there's a resting or abidance in that truth. And you'll know it when you lay there. You'll know it beyond knowing. Yeah. Because it will initiate that you can't, you know, you can't judge, you judge the tree by the fruit. Yeah. You'll start seeing that you're traveling lighter, and then you know you're onto something. Yeah. All right. Well, any questions? We got to get the shirt selling. I got to sell shirts. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like just a, just a get your week and value. Yeah. So when you're surfing in the ocean, do you like connect to your Consciousness, like that liberation within you that has expanded, that expanded consciousness. Sometimes when I dive into like the ocean or music or whatever, it's like that mindfulness presence is just 
what you're talking about beyond the ego, like your your true self, you're connected to your true self. Because you're just being in the ocean, you know, there's no like trying to do this or that, you're just being. Yeah. But the thing is, you actually are always there. You can have experiences yeah. that, that tend to make you feel like you're more there than others, but you've never left that sense. It's always there, it's just different activities can help you, like meditation. Well, yeah, meditation. if you find what helps you, if you find something that triggers it, and you have the time and the inclination, then do it, yeah. I just love the surf, but I don't put much thought on it, you know. It's just drawn to do it. So I do it, Yeah. Clean, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but I don't think it's the surfing that's causing me to feel that I am that. Yeah, the surfing just facilitates an expression of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just so. like it's on a, a foster retreat or making art or laughing with your with children, like yeah, yeah exactly. Because you're in all of those events. All those events that seem to be different, you're the one that was there. Yeah? The ego is able to no, you were there. You were there. You were there. Mm-hmm. Ego is just an appearance, a mental idea of, of its own relevance. Yeah, it's, But the sense of self is different. The sense of self is more of a feeling. The feeling of being the doer and the being the thinker. Yeah, It's a different beast. The ego is there's still the feeling that you have an ego. Yeah? So the, self, the sense of self is the one who has the ego, or doesn't have an ego. <laughs> the ego is just another like addition to the sense of self, but it doesn't come before the sense of self. It's after the sense of self. Self, the sense of self is claiming to have an ego. That's the real bondage: is the sense of self. Yeah, ego, no ego. If there's a feeling that you are having no ego or an ego, that's the sense of self. The sense of self is the real bondage. Ego isn't the bondage. The ego can facilitate bonding, but that's not the bondage point. What about sense of self or sense of like source? Like, can well, yeah, that's. You know what I, mean? like, I use the sense of self as a small self. So small once, self. yeah, once you see that you're not that, that is, you will sense the right. presence. Yeah, but it's not you sensing the presence. Like the matrix. Yes, <laughs> but it's not you sensing the presence. You see, there's just the sense of presence. It's totally, you're out of the, the no picture. Mind, the no mind, that yeah. as she talks about, the no mind being a no mind. Yes, well that's what no mind is. Yeah. The no you. You're not going to be no mind, but the no you. Okay. See the sense, let's say if you're, if you're selfing, let's say, your head is thinking about next week and you really feel like all this stuff's going to happen to you, and then you get an understanding that that's selfing, Right? Then people call me up and go, I've been selfing all day. See? So it wasn't the activity of the narration, it was the feeling that you were doing it. That's the bondage of selfing. Yeah? Or that selfing was driving me crazy. So now you're the object of the imposition. That's the bondage of self. Being the object of the subject, not what's happening. Yes? So the same thing with the ego. You have an ego. Yes, supposedly. That's the bondage of self, the feeling of having an ego. And it will still be there, the bondage of self, when you feel like you don't have an ego. Yeah? Because you still feel the sense of self. That's the bondage, not the ego, ego, non-ego, you know, worrying about next week, not worrying about next week, being at peace today, not being at peace today. There's always this one functioning sense of you there that's having it or not having it. That's the bondage of self. It's not up here. There's the bondage is there. That's my sense. That's how I saw it. And then the quiet, the stillness, 
Well, you lose interest in it. Well, the thing is, selfing is agitation. Right. Selfing is a desire that cannot be fulfilled. It wants to be a self, but it can't be a self. So it's always in the movement of selfing, like a desire. I mean, how have you ever had a desire and it didn't come to pass and see the effects it had on you? Some maybe went home and ate a lot of ice cream or watched movies, got really heavy and stuff like that. All this stuff can happen. Well, we're under that intense pressure all day because the, the, the conditional mind is wanting to be a self and it can't actually fulfill that mission. So it's like a constant desiring and constant thwarting. So it's, it's producing an irritability, restlessness, a discontent, a malaise, or a Buddhist that's suffering, that sense of vague, something's not right, because of that desire being unfulfilled. And he said the root of all suffering is desire. To me, the original desire is the desire to be a self. That's it. That's the engine. That's the that's the basic engine. Is the desire to be a self. All other desires stem from there. Yeah, you desire now to get relief from the desire of being a self. You know, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. If you get relief at this first one, you'll see it affects all the other activity. All your other desires get affected by the first desire. Getting clear on these desires do not affect the first desire, but this affects all the other desires. Yeah, this has precedent over the other ones. So, in a process, this is more important than the fifth one. Yeah, and mental this selfing is a mental process. It's happening in time. So, the first one is the desire to become a self or be a self, right? Or not be the self you think you are. It goes both ways. Yeah, total agitation, constantly agitated because it can't fulfill. It doesn't reach a crescendo. It doesn't become the perfect self, does it? Have you? What were you? What were you? But an urban renewal project. As long as I was identified as this, there was constant critiques about this. Constant thinking I need to do some more work. Constant thinking I could be better. Constant attention and interest put on this as me. Yeah, there was never going to be relief from that urban renewal project. The only relief came when I saw I'm not that. Then my interest, attention was relieved from this bondage, and it went other places, and it became, it went out there and shocked accordingly, and brought me a lot of enrichment. Yeah? I see beautiful things now, and I have the ability to stop and enjoy them. Yeah, I'm, I'm located in Saturday, the 31st or the 1st of June, not 2015. Yeah, <laughs> because it's not happening. It's no effort on my part. I've just been located where something's going on and I'm engaged in that going on. And it's quite rewarding because you're alive. Your hand is on, your fingers on the pulse of living. You're a being, not becoming or unbecoming, but being. Yeah? The mental process is constantly unbecoming and becoming, but never can be. And it never will be your perfect self. There isn't one. So that desire spawns all other desires, and we're suffering the consequences of that. So let's go back to the first knot. Get relief there. You'll probably a thread from there and goes through all the other knots of your life, and you'll see its effects echo. And you'll see that you're traveling lighter on a very stabilized level. Yeah. Going to a nice meeting or not going to a nice meeting. You know what I mean? Getting what you wanted or not getting what you wanted. You can travel lighter through all the preferences and the opinions and stuff like that. Yeah. If you want to stop having preferences, that's a preference. Can't get out of the self. Don't fucking go there. You got it's like being caught in a jungle of your own making. No matter how many machetes you buy, it's just going to keep springing up. Yeah. Attached to not being attached. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, this has nothing to do with attachment or not attachment. Who the hell is going to be attached or not attached? This is just saying there is no separate entity, no noun. See, it doesn't say bonded to self. Self isn't a chair that you can be bonded to, yeah? Like handcuffed to the chair. You don't say, I, I was handcuffed of the chair, will you? You say, I was handcuffed to the chair. The chair is a solid object, seemingly. It says bondage of self in recovery. Not to self, of self. So it's faith. You're bonded of self. It's an activity. And it can only seemingly be so. Because there isn't any self to be bonded to. That's the solution. The bondage, to have that feeling of being bonded, it had to be given the meaning that it's a real self. You've already lost then. Now it's all about trying to get belief in this and that. And wherever you go, you'll be dragging the chair with you. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting in this new relationship with this chair. I'm bonded to this. Can you get together with it? I'm sorry, I can't get into your sports car. Let's go be there. No, it's an activity. Yeah? The activity is being fueled by your attention and interest. What would happen if your attention and interest loses interest? Yeah. The activity will keep on going, but you won't be going with it. Yeah. Indeed, be Yeah, yeah, so that's it. I'm getting ready to